I'm Amelia. And I'm Sophie. And welcome to So Ma So Good, a Fruits Basket reboot podcast. Here we talk about the second season for the very last time. Or not, I guess, the very last time. But uh, of we're the never talking reboot. about this again. <laughs> never again. Uh, we try and keep it spoiler free, but sometimes we slip up. So if you're avoiding spoilers, please check the episode description for timestamps as well as for content warnings. Without further ado, let's do our last, like, full single episode deep dive of season two. Also, I feel like um, the spoilers we have to avoid, they were kind of both revealed this episode. Like, the big ones. I think there's, like, one more spoiler that sometimes we've had to throw in the spoiler corner. Um, Here and there, but aside from that, I think the major Fruits Basket spoilers are True Form, Kareno, and Akito. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, so, wow, wow, it's, this episode was a pretty killer season finale, like, I don't, like, I remember, I mean, we didn't have the podcast while season one was airing, but me and Sophie were going apeshit bananas, uh, anticipating true form, uh, yeah. So. And I was going apeshit bananas anticipating titties. Yeah, but we also, like, didn't know exactly for sure if this would be titties. Right. You know? Yeah. No, it was we a like very, t- like, different kind of anticipation because with True Form, it was more like, oh, we're finally going to get it seen adapted, like, correctly. Um, and this was just like, I have no idea what I'm getting, really. Yeah. <sighs> but it was good. I really this slapped. Um uh, we, of course, have a couple nitpicks and criticisms, like always, because when do we not? And <laughs> basket is never perfect. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> basket will never be free of crime. <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, um, mazel tov to us for doing, like, hour-long podcasts for, like, every episode this season. And staying on schedule. Yeah, like go us. through a lot of things through the pandemic, through uh-huh. you getting a new job, through me moving to back out to an entire different state and starting school back up. So it's like, damn, we damn. did that shit. <laughs> we did. Big thank you to our now fifty-some listeners. Apparently, yeah, uh, you guys make it all worth it. <laughs> As if we uh, weren't going to keep doing it. <laughs> we were fully expecting to have, like, two listeners. Yeah. Those two listeners being us. Uh, <laughs> but it was just like, you know, we love just talking about Fruits Basket and picking apart every little element of it. Why not record it? Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's, I'm glad that there's a, there's a good couple of you out there who enjoy uh, our hour-long conversations where we go ape shit about Fruits Basket. <laughs> <laughs> We've, I hope that you enjoy that our mics suck less now, um, mm-hmm. and we no longer have Craig, the third <laughs> secret podcast member that made our audio quality shit. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, you served us well, why we needed you, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
But yeah, should we should yeah. we get to the episode instead of just like patting ourselves? ourselves yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I agree. That episode was a banger. I think it's like like I need to like look at the season as a whole, but I think it'll rate pretty high, rank pretty high for me. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Oh, season. Two. I'm I'm excited to for our like season two as a whole. Like yeah. Episode our, our postmortem. Postmortem season two is so good. Um, it was so yeah, it was. It was so good. So, um, so let's start this off with the same criticism. Yeah, we both <laughs> have the exact same fucking criticism, which is the cold open just takes the punch out a little bit. It yeah. didn't like it doesn't add anything, and I think it takes like I think leaving Coretto's curse being broken more unsaid would have made the episode a lot more tense and mm-hmm. then made the scene at the end with Toru and Kareno like I don't think there's a way that I think you could have done this episode without figuring out pretty early on what's happening mm-hmm. but I think it would have just been better to leave it a little less explicit especially like I don't think it like last episode the thing with Kareno um I thought that should we both agreed that that was like shouldn't have been there and i think just like having the conversation with like hitori and shigure and the phone conversation with shigure and kareno would have been enough instead of these other weird things yeah no it's very it's like the same like complaint i always have about ibata is that it is it's very handholdy and yeah like i agree like the conversation with shigure and hatsuri and then the conversation with shigure and kareno on the phone like most of the audience would have been able to figure it out just with that plus the foreshadowing from the last episode and then if they hadn't that's fine because it would have been a crazy reveal if they didn't figure it out yeah i he it's a little too handholdy but yeah it was still that criticism aside and that was the cold open and then we move on to the rest of the episode which i thought was a lot stronger yeah Uh, love all the fat ass sparrows in this episode (laughs) they're cute they're cute they're round fluffy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but i liked like it like op- the like after the opening the episode opens with a shot of sparrows flying away right before Kareno opens the door um also i thought like the establishing shot of like outside of akito's bedroom it's like freaking gorgeous mm-hmm. um but like i like like the whole you know going back to the doors and the doors as a metaphor for the curse um, I liked yeah. the back-to-back, the sparrows flying away, and Kareno himself opening the doors, because, like, who opens doors is, like, a specific thing in the show, and, uh, mm-hmm. but then he closes it and walks back inside. Yeah. It, so I liked that. It was good. You know, it's, you said that about, like, the establishing shot and how, like, gorgeous it is it is fucked up like how evil and cursed the soma estate is but also how it's it's so pretty like i imagine going to visit the soma estate i would just be like oh wow the architecture the landscaping Mm -hmm. like i'd be like this is so nice and it would be like a cult (laughs) it's it's very like japan like it's just very japan yeah um pretty japanese architecture is pretty Um, yeah for sure yeah, I liked I liked the scene. I like uh, Akito in the big empty room. I like that Akito sleeps on. Um, I know this word. Christ, futon. I extremely futon. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I almost, 
Uh, my brother was born on a futon. Uh, anyway. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> uh, we still have it. Um, but I like it. I think it's, like, A, just, like, Akito is tied to, like, traditional, like, Japanese imagery and styles uh, unaffected by Western influences and also modernity. Uh, but also I like... I think it's just visually nice to have Akito on the floor. Yeah. Like, just, it just looks good. It's, it, it's, it's, it fits. It fits the vibe. I also like, it, it makes them look very small. I like when mm-hmm. they emphasize how small, like, physically small Akito is. Yeah. Because it's, it's such a good contrast with how much power they have over um, everyone. Oh, I mean, I'm assuming everyone's watched this episode already and knows the, like, Akito is... We use they, them pronouns for Akito just, like, out of habit because it feels right to us. Yeah. Um, that's just, like, our own personal thing. We're probably going to keep doing this for the rest of the entire podcast um, just because it's our habit. Uh, yeah. Because Akito is a gender onto themselves. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh carrying on it does i like i think it's a really good contrast between they have this huge disproportionate presence in these people's lives and so much power over them but physically they are extremely small and i think that physical like this like this physical frailty is a good tie-in to like i think also akito's sort of personal emotional reality Mm -hmm. it's good yeah agree um i'm obsessed with this scene this scene between kurano and akito that's freaking amazing i just love like akito's like specific brand of emotional manipulation of just like being like you know all that like shit i said about you like it's not true (laughs) but Mm -hmm. i think like i think like on one hand i mean akito's feeling very insecure this is like I was having a little trouble, like, figuring out the timeline of this episode because, like, it was structured a little strangely. Like, it was a lot of flashbacks and flash forwards and whatever. Um, but I think it was the night previous was New Year's. Um, mm-hmm. So Akito was feeling very insecure over what happened with Yuki. And, like, they're trying to, like, you know, they're very insecure over Kareno because technically Kareno could leave if he wanted to um and so trying to reassure him like oh no like all that stuff I said like it's not true like you know it's not what I really think which like but I also think like to some extent it's kind of true because Agito just talks out of their ass to support their own superiority complex um like Agito most definitely thinks that they are better than everyone else um but the things that they say like might not explicitly be true or might only be true in the moment but regardless um like what they're saying here is total manipulation um you know yeah i also think what you said about it being true in the moment i think it's very true that like akito is just like extremely volatile Mm -hmm. like and i think like there's a certain amount of truth to like, obviously, they're very manipulative and deliberately manipulative and controlling. But I also think to some extent, like, 
they do how am i how am i trying to say this but like the shitty things they say to people comes from i think like their own yeah their own sense of superiority and their own genuine beliefs about the people they are abusing but i think also the weird twisted love they feel is also true mm-hmm. and like that uh like yeah i say all of this weird horror shit about you but also like i would but i also still value you i feel like those things are both true yeah of akito which is fun akito is still wretched um yeah <laughs> yeah it's yeah no akito is a freaking horrible person obviously but like they do actually love the zodiac but they have a lot of a lot of issues um that makes it very hard to tell and it's not something that they express in a genuine way no it's a very like twisted kind of love yeah it's um it's sorry or no just go ahead i don't know that thought was <laughs> okay uh, i was gonna say i really like i don't know if you like remember this shot in particular but there's like it's a like close-up shot of akito's face as akito is asking kareno if he'll stay by their side i think like it really shows that like akito is like scared shitless right now like what yuki yeah. said to them like fucked them up mm-hmm. also i love akito's mm-hmm. theme the way like where they placed it was awesome i think the, the track itself is really good and, like, how it, like, closed out the scene was, like, amazing. It's a really good theme, and I like the, like, the, um, this version of it specifically, because there's, like, a couple different versions. It's good. I agree. I liked, I liked the closing shot. I liked them both, like, far away, wrapped up in each other. Like, it was, it was just, like, again, with the, like, how small they seem, and also that it's, like, it's something that's happening in the distance, you know, from us, the viewers. Like, we're never mm-hmm. going to really be up close in this relationship that's happening. We're going to be kind of viewing it from far away. Yeah. Uh, it's good. Yeah, that was a really good scene. Yeah, it was. And then we jump into, or do you have anything else to say about it? Or No. All right. We jump into uh, some original girl trio uh they're still here they're still kicking just some girls um which was i love um i love hana i love that she's like idiots never catch colds i would like to say (laughs) that kakadu and hana are a dynamic duo that never speak to each other of (laughs) ADHD hyperactive type and ADHD inattentive type. And they are icons and I love them. <laughs> I would love to see Hana them interact. really do be having ADHD inattentive type. Like, she really do be having it. She's definitely not diagnosed, but, like, especially because she's a girl with inattentive type. But, like... <laughs> I haven't thought about it, but I'll believe you. I'm right. Thank you. Yes, you're right. You're right, Amelia. <laughs> Uh, let me get some some uh, another flashback (laughs) a flashback right because it was there was a lot of flashbacks there was a lot of flashbacks in this episode it was like 
the first time I watched it, I didn't really think about it. But the second time I watched it, I was like, this is kind of weird. But also, like, I don't really know, like, what else they would have done. I guess they, like, didn't need that scene, really. I think that, like, they put that scene in to remind us that Uotani exists. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think that was the only purpose of that scene, right? They were like, just remember, she exists and she's still sad. Because plot. God, (laughs) fucking, um... Yeah, this I know flashback. it's really just like the mar on this episode is that, <laughs> but that's not like, but that's like... not Ibata's fault. That's that's Takaya's fault. No, that's Takaya's. It's fun like being like, okay, here are Fruits Basket sins. Who can we blame? <laughs> <laughs> um, but Yuki. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to talk about Rin first. Oh fuck! Right, Rin. <laughs> Rin and Toru is such a cute... They're friends. Like, I just love that, like, the second, like, Rin gets over herself, they're just, like, best friends. And I love that. They're so cute. Yeah. like, what she says to her... First of all, Toru is so smart and observant to, like, figure out that, like, Rin and Haru were together just based on, like, one comment from a (laughs) 12-year-old. And then Rin being like, and she's like, how did you know? And Toru's like, woman's intuition! And Rin's like, you don't have that. (laughs) 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 i feel like they you know they kind of shoot the shit together in their own way i love them no they're adorable Uh, we love girls the girls are not fighting (laughs) no the girls aren't fighting anymore (laughs) presidential alert the girls love each other yes uh, but I did think it was funny, like, the second Yuki rolls up, Rin is like, I'm fucking out of here. <laughs> See ya, rat boy. Bye. No boys uh, allowed. Goodbye. Yeah. Imagine if Rin was a lesbian. That would be so good. Like, Haru and Rin are, like, pretty valid. They're not, like, <laughs> my favorite straight couple, but they're uh-huh. definitely, like, a bye-for-bye goth icon sort of deal. So I'm like, you know, like, I can I can vibe. Like, I respect this. Um, but it's not, like, it, it, it's not mind-blowing. It's not something that keeps no. me up at night. Um, <laughs> but, what ship does keep man. you up at night? Well, Kyoru's haunted me for years and left an indelible okay, yeah. mark on my heart. <laughs> uh, and... Yukuri sometimes keeps me up at night because I'm just like, God. Yeah. God. What we could have had. What we could have had. It, anyway. Um, but. <laughs> yeah, agree, I agree with you. Like, yeah, Rin and Haru, like, it's like, it's good. But I don't really think about it. And I don't really yeah. think anyone else does either. <laughs> just from yeah, what I've seen from the there. fandom. Yeah, it just, like, kind of exists. And, like, yeah, it's pretty good. Good job, yeah. Takaya. Goth like, for goth. That's bye fine. For bye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, and then Yuki rocks up and um, makes me uh, soft and tender like a freshly peeled clementine. <laughs> <laughs> Him. Him. I, <laughs> I'm like not coherent right now. Or ever, but like especially not right now, and not in this moment. Thinking about Yuki Soma, the most perfect boy. That's okay. I cried like two days ago. I cried like two days ago talking about Yuki and Toru's relationship. I love them so much. 
It was like it's a really good so... like like bookend for his character arc this season, and I like that his last scene was with Toru, and not mm-hmm. anyone else. Um, like she really is just like the most important person in his life. I'm like gonna start crying right now. <laughs> she's like his she is like, she's his fucking mom. Um, like she's the most important person in his life, and like he like clearly like he trusts her so much. Also, like that he has grown so much to be able to not like to admit to himself to acknowledge that he was feeling terrified, understandably terrified when Akito hit him, and that he can talk about it. And he can admit to Toru that he was scared and then ask her for praise. Like, I think, like, that is, like, such a different person from, like, who Yuki was in the beginning of the season. It was such just, like, it was just, like, a little moment, but it was such this, yeah, perfect little bookend with a bow on it that was, like, here's Yuki and he's not, like, it's not that all of his problems have been magically fixed for them, but it's that he's grown and changed enough that he can, like, push through them with strength and with support and know how to take care of himself and be happy. Like, um... And, like, he was, like, smiling the whole time and being emotionally vulnerable, and I think, like, just the tiny little flashback that Toru had, where it's, like, Toru just remembering, like, shoving Akito away from him at the school, and then she's like, oh, shit, like, Yuki stood up to stood up to Akito, got hit in the head, uh, and it's like, that sucked. But I'm all right. Did I do good, Toru? And Toru's like, yeah, Christ, you did. Um, and it's like, they love each other so much. And you can tell, like, Toru is like really proud of him. Yeah, it's like this is someone that, like. When she met Yuki, Yuki was in a... I mean, they were both in a really, really dark place. Um, where Toru was a homeless orphan. And <laughs> Yuki was this, like, really traumatized weirdo who found a girl in the woods and was like, you want to live in my house? <laughs> and they've just, like, grown and changed together so much. And Toru has been able to see this person who showed her kindness in a time of need and she's been just watching him slowly grow and change and learn how to, and like grow into this like really kind and strong person uh and like i feel like toru is still like has more ways like farther to go as a character than yuki does at this point because this was like the yuki season um but it's just like they both want to see each other like thrive and be happy and like just like the way they love each other is just like very just like earnest and honest and uncomplicated um there's never any like yeah like yuki is never as soon as yuki is like oh i think that was compat he's like <laughs> and it's, it's he's like i think kyo's a piece or i have a shitty fraught relationship with kyo but like I can still tell that Kyo and Toru are good for each other, so I still want them to get their act together. It's mm-hmm. just the way he, like, they both put aside a lot for each other. It's just they're good. I fucking love yeah. Kyo. Or, fuck, I'm not Kyo. I do love Kyo, but I fucking love Yuki and Toru so much. Yeah. So much. Yuki and Toru, like, I've, like, after, like, this season, like, I've definitely come to the conclusion that Yuki and Toru are my favorite relationship in Fruits Basket. I just think, like, it's so unique and special and like and yeah they just 
like you said, like, it's just a very, like, pure and earnest and uncomplicated love for each other. Um, and, like, they yeah. changed each other's lives for the better. Um, and, yeah, it's just, like, it's just, like, a really, really good friendship. And I like that it is held to as high a standard as the romance. Yeah. It's really, I feel like it's really rare. I can't think of literally any other example where a friendship between a man and a woman was like an emotional core of a story in this way and treated with like an incredible amount of weight and power and then never made into anything like never it was never like oh this is the mo- what the most important person in my life I'm actually in love with them like they never had that moment because that's not necessary for someone to be that person in your life it's mm-hmm. just like I literally can't think of any other example of that that does it. Yeah, me neither. Does it, it? Nothing hits like this. Yeah. Unmatched. Unmatched, yeah. truly. Oh, so good. <sighs> I love them. What a good season for Yuki. What a good season for Yuki. I love my perfect rat. Yeah, he's uh, a perfect little rat boy. He's a perfect little rat boy. Yuki's just one of those characters I carry in my heart, and I will carry yeah. him there until I die. For sure. Like, Me too. If I could, like, I think, like, I don't know if I could ever write a Yuki Soma, you know? Like, there's just, like, I don't know. There's just a certain je ne sais quoi to Yuki. And I'm like, if I could ever create a character that, like, fucks someone up the way Yuki Soma has fucked me up, then, like, I'll die happy. He really, like, he, like, just, he just has, like, one of the best character arcs in fiction. It's just so good. He's so, like, complicated and layered and complex and, like, very, like, true to life and three-dimensional. And and the way that he, like, changes throughout the story is so subtle and natural. Um, It's just, like, really, like, a masterclass of, like, writing feels good feels organic it's so good uh, it's such a weird it's like fruits basket is like such a weird combination of some of my favorite writing of all time and some just like terrible writing and i'm like how did this uh, happen and and in this episode (laughs) and in this episode alone such good writing and such bad writing all in 30 minutes (laughs) (laughs) um toru Toru, Toru. My, girl. My, hey, hey, sis. You need to like look inward and stop <laughs> trying to put all of your issues. Like, so she's got so many issues, and you know she's got mommy issues, she's got daddy issues, she's got Kyo issues, and she's <laughs> taking all of those issues. And she's like, you know what? I could pretend the issue is instead Uo and Kareno. This is the actual <laughs> problem. I will confront none of my numerous things. I will just be like, wow, I feel really fucked up about Uo and Kareno, these two people who have met twice. Uh, I think I will hinge my, like, emotional well-being on their relationship. And I'm like, girl, please. Girl. And you're like, clearly, like, I mean, she's super fucking invested. She. Momiji's like, hey, I did that thing you asked. And Toru's like, I'm going to burst into tears. <laughs> like, Toru. you, Toru, you have problems. <laughs> she does. Like, I think, obviously, we don't really care for the role Uo and Kurano serve in this story. 
I think it's like it it could have been interesting if it had been investigated a little bit more as the fact that like if it had been looked at with a little more nuance and that like Choru is projecting a lot onto this relationship that isn't very serious like if that had been like the if this had been more of a study in Toru and how she won't look inward and won't and is super repressed then I think it could have been a little bit better but Mm -hmm. like it's I feel like it's not it just doesn't it doesn't work for me with like yeah like if she had been like very invested in this relationship but like more invested than Uo and Koreno and they were like hey what the fuck why yeah Yeah, that would have been more interesting but like as it stands like they are as in they are both as invested as she is yeah it's just it's yeah it's not it's not it um but yeah. But I thought the shot of her crying was nice. I thought it looked good. I, I thought, like, Toru's yeah. facial expressions this whole episode, like, all of them fucking hit. They were really good. Yeah. They're doing a good job with Toru's face. Yeah. They've been doing a good job with Toru's face, I feel like, pretty recently. Like, it's really obvious this episode, but I feel like I've been picking up on it, where you're starting to, like, see more subtle nuances in the expression she makes, because she mm-hmm. is kind of, I don't know. It's, I think I honestly think like the art is improving or the art direction. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, especially in the like latter half of the season. It'll be interesting to go back to season one. See yeah, it. very interesting. Yeah. Shigure Hattori. Shigure Hattori. I'm obsessed with this scene. I this me too. So good. I oh love my God. how they're like. They're facing away from each other the entire mm-hmm. scene, which I just like. That's so good. Yeah. Like, oh. I know, like, I don't, like, like particularly care for Hattori, but every single Shigurei Hattori scene just leaves me fucking blown away. Just, like, the two of them together is so good. But it's because, like, they don't hide anything from each other. Yeah. It's It's awesome. like, an, it's a really compelling friendship. Like, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it would be fun. I, I, I like. I. It makes me kind of want to see what their relationship was like growing up when they were younger. Um, mm-hmm. Like, what got them to this point with each other? Like, what produced this? Yeah. Because um, it's but it's really something. It uh, it really is. And you can also like one of the things I really liked about this scene too is that like, Hattori is like done with Shigure. Yeah. I like and I and I really like that. <laughs> because Shigure's been fucking doing a bunch of shit and then leaving Hattori to have to like pick up after him, you know? Yeah, I think it's like it's an interesting cuz I think they're both they're both really frustrated. Mm-hmm. And they're both in this moment, they're both frustrated with each other cuz like Hattori is like, yeah, Shigure's been acting like a dickhead and causing problems and not dealing with their consequences. And Shigure is like, yeah, because we should just rip off the band-aid and let everything dissolve into chaos so we can move on with our lives. And Shigure is frustrated with, like, Hattori subtly trying to kind of maintain order. Yeah. Um, That is definitely true. And I also think he is, in this, like, scene specifically, he's frustrated because he's trying to vent. 
And the way that Shigure vents is really interesting because he makes it sound like he's not venting because he's just being like really casual and like, you know, very like oh, flippant about it. Um, but he is telling Hatsuri how he feels and Hatsuri is like, you're being an asshole. Like he's like calling him out on his behavior when I don't think that's like what he wanted. No. Yeah. Um, Such a good scene. But I took so many notes on this scene, so I'll talk about yeah. the like lines that I wanted to talk about. Um, is that Shigure starts the scene by being like, "Why didn't we let Yuki take responsibility and make him tend to Akito?" Like Shigure knows that that wouldn't help anyone. <laughs> <laughs> he knows that he doesn't really think that. He's just like, "How come I always have to do it? Why doesn't Yuki do it? Yuki's the one responsible." <laughs> like. Yeah. He's just fucking pissed. Like, he's just so mad in this scene. Yeah. I love the whole, like... And I also like that Shigure is like, why do I have to be on Akito duty? Like, and it's and it's from this, like, well, Akito didn't pick me. So if I'm not Akito's favorite, then why should I treat Akito like my favorite? Yeah. Uh, Shigure is not going to... Shigure demands Akito's full attention the same way Akito wants to demand the full attention of every Zodiac member, but mm-hmm. Shigure won't play Akito's game unless he gets to be the favorite. Yeah. Uh, and that's why literally like every, like pretty much like every scene since before, since the lake house, uh, since the beach house, almost, I think every single scene with the two of them, they've been fighting. Mm-hmm. But it's because, you know, Shigure's like, you know, getting under their skin on purpose but he's paying the price for it yeah speaking of the fighting i loved the shigure akito fight loved it first of all um just like um i liked the like animation details of like akito moving as they're yelling at him um like akito has a very specific physicality um, and it's also very expressive and you can tell like by the way they're moving that they're like really upset um, and also like Maya Sakamoto who plays Akito isn't a fucking queen um, it sounds very petulant and like mm-hmm. very emotional like I really liked the delivery of um, Akito's lines as they're yelling at Shigure it's very good I like that it happens in a doorway <laughs> I know. Ooh, boy. <laughs> and yeah. I and I also really like Shigure's face because it's it's yeah. it reminded me of the scene where they're fighting in the beach house. Um, where is Shigure is actually making a very similar expression? Where like Akito is really like the one person that Shigure has a very very hard time hiding their feelings from, hiding his feelings from, and you can just yeah. tell like how fucking pissed he is that akito is like fuck off i think it's really yeah no and i i love the difference between like like during new year's sugar is pissed right mm-hmm. and he's not hiding it well enough like haru picks up on it and sugar mm-hmm. is like being super flippant and haru's like okay i'm not i don't care but whatever see it <laughs> you're clearly upset uh, not my problem you freak <laughs> and but then it's but he's like telling jokes and he's smiling but you can tell he's not happy versus this where he's like he does not he's not even trying to hide it or 
if he is, he can't. Like, he's just, like, exhausted. And it's just, it's, like, you so rarely see him not looking vaguely cheerful. And so whenever you see, like, a genuine just sort of, like, uh, annoyance um, on his face, it's just, like, it's extra impactful because it's so rare. So, you know, he must have been pushed to an extreme to, like, be showing you this face. Yeah. And I really liked, like, as, like, we come out of that flashback, Sugar Ray's line is, you're one to talk when you're the one who chose Corinno. Um, yeah. Which, like, I love when his voice actor does this. It's very low. Um, when normally Sugar Ray's voice is, like, pretty high and very expressive. Um, but, like, it, it, yeah, it's not very often. And, again, it reminded me of that scene again where he's just, like, very monotone, like, very just, like, really mad um his voice actor is amazing i love him i think he's one of the best in the show star-studded cast um truly yeah truly an all-star cast yeah i love i love the like shigure repeating the thing he said to rin um yes and that was so good and then i love that hachari is like the worst part about you is that you know all of these things about yourself and you don't even feel sorry for it. And I think, like, not only is this, like, a really accurate read on Sugar Ray's character, but I think it's also super revealing of the way Hattori sees himself, where I don't think Hattori sees himself as a much better person, but he's like, at least I feel like shit for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to go back a little. I was, like, not kidding when I said I, like, notated, like, every other line. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, uh, oh, this is what I was saying about how, like, Shigure's, like, trying to vent to Hatsuri, and Hatsuri's, like, fuck you. Um, but, like, Shigure <laughs> says, like, you're the one to talk when you're the one who chose Kurino. And Hatsuri responds with, God can have a favorite of us Zodiac members. Like, that, like, that is not what Shigure wants to hear. Like, what he wants to hear is, like, I'm sorry you feel like shit, Shigure. <laughs> but Hatsuri's like, actually, Akito's entitled to do whatever they want because they're God. So, <laughs> like, it's very much like Hatsuri, like, that's the status quo. Like, that's just what it is. Yeah. Um, which, like, obviously Shigure does not accept. Um, and also, like, really goes to show that Hatsuri is just, like, sick of it. Like, he's sick of, like, Shigure coming to the estate, saying a bunch of shit that upsets Akito, and then Hatsuri has to deal with it. Yeah, because Hatsuri doesn't see the situation ever significantly approving. Hatsuri just wants to make it manageable. And Shigure is like, I want to burn this motherfucker to the ground. Yeah. Um, also, there was a small detail that like... Okay. So when Koreno, in the beginning of the episode, when Koreno like lies down, um, it's shown like very explicitly. Like you see, like it's like his midsection, right? So it's like his shirt tucked into his pants belt pants um and then when he gets up in this scene which is like he had lied down with akito and then this is the end of that um his shirt is untucked hmm. i didn't pick up on that yeah um and also in the you. manga thank you um also <laughs> in the manga if i'm remembering correctly akito's not wearing clothes <laughs> um which is confusing Based on word from God, not Akito God, but word of God, Takaya. 
Oh my god. <laughs> for those for Takaya! those of you who, oh my, I do not know why she tweeted this. For those of you who did not see what Takaya tweeted the other day, she said that Kurano and Akito only slept together once or twice. I have no fucking idea why she tweeted that. <laughs> and it also like it also like goes against a bunch of the like artistic implications of like that scene. So I'm like a little confused, but like I if she hadn't it goes tweeted against, that, like, the implications of the entire episode. <laughs> it really like doesn't make any sense. I yeah. I don't know why she tweeted that. I'm just going to I choose to ignore it. I'm just going to ignore it. I'm just going to ignore it because like why why would you include the detail of of Kurino having his shirt untucked after lying down and it was tucked yeah. in, and then at the end of the episode you reveal that they were fucking? Anyway. <laughs> and also, like, the, like, I'm staying with Akito for all of these many years and, like, have this, like, and giving the information that they've slept together, like, during that, I feel mm-hmm. like implies that they've had a sexual re- relationship, like, throughout that time. Like, or yeah. assuming, like, once it started. I assume it didn't start, like, when Akito was a child. Yeah. <laughs> For my sanity, we're gonna say <laughs> <laughs> they were older when they started sleeping together. But I think it, like, I don't know. To me, I always read it as, like, they have had, like, a sexual relationship through, mm-hmm. like, a large part of it. Yeah, I had always read it that way, too. And also, like, it would make more sense because, like, the, like I had assumed the reason that they were sleeping together was because Akito was so insecure about Kurino leaving that they were using it, like, as a control tactic to be, like, here's yeah. just, like, one more reason you can't leave me is because, you know, we're together, um, like, in some capacity. Um, but, like, I don't really, like, know the motivation of why they would choose to sleep together only once or twice. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Also, there's a big difference between once and twice, in my opinion. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Once is a mistake. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like twice, can, depending on the, the situations. Yeah. That, like, the context. Like, if you slept together once and you were like, maybe we shouldn't do this again. And then, like month or a couple months later you like drunkenly hooked up one more time then we're like no sure enough yeah i feel like that's but yeah but yeah i don't like really understand the motivation of them doing it like only a couple of times because i was the same as you i had just always read it as they were having a sexual relationship throughout yeah Um, so um death of the author we're right (laughs) maybe authors shouldn't have twitter accounts Maybe authors should not have Twitter accounts. <laughs> um, and then I had... They really shouldn't. I still even had more to say. <laughs> about this Keep scene. going. I love to hear you. I love your thoughts. I love to hear you speak. Let's go. Thank you. Um, it was about... So, like... Um, yeah, so Hattori's, like... Um, Akito can have a favorite if they want to. Um, and then, like, in response, Shigure is, like... He's basically, like... Do you ha- he asked him like do you have an emotional attachment to the bond? Um which is fucking mean. But like it was like <laughs> you know like he's just throwing it back at at Hatsuri. I love how cruel they are. They're both like very like desensitized to cruelty and it's just like the way that they talk to each other. They really like don't have a filter with one another and like they have nothing to hide and they're just like used to like having horrible things said to e- said to them that like they just say it too. Yeah. Um but it was, like, making me think about, like, 
the curse as a metaphor for generational trauma and how tied into their, you know, respect, respectful, respectful, how it's tied into like their, their respective, respective, had their respective mental illnesses and how like Hatsuri having an emotional attachment to the curse as a metaphor for like how you can have an emotional attachment to your mental illness because it's something that becomes very integrated into your personality and how it can be like really hard to recover because it's hard to let something like that go when it has become so integral to like the way that you think and the way that you live your life um and so yeah yeah, I just like thought that line was interesting to like speak to that experience yeah for sure I definitely I was thinking of it more in terms I think that's like a really insightful and um, I was thinking about it more in terms of like they're they're in this cult and it's terrible and it's done almost exclusively bad things to them, but it's still like their family. Right. Oh like, good point, yeah. Like these are the people that like they were raised with and this is their community. And like it's unequivocally hurt them, but it's still like what created them. Mm -hmm. and so like of course you can't have an emotionally neutral relationship to that and you can't on some level escape being attached to that even if it was like ultimately extremely toxic Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah that's how that's how i kind of read that exchange of like yeah this sucks and we are extremely imprisoned by this magical cult generational trauma uh, smorgasbord of hell but it's also the only thing we've ever known and it's also the most important people in our lives yeah that's a good point and then he says the thing he says to Rin <laughs> yeah then <laughs> then we finally come back to what you said like 20 minutes ago <laughs> this scene was just so fucking good it was just dense everything dense, slapped yeah. It was, it was really well done. Everything, like, there, all the fat was trimmed off and it was delicious. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. No, it's not, like, often that you get, like, the characters speaking so frankly. Mm Mm-hmm. Especially Shigure. Especially Shigure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then he says that thing he says to Rin, which, yeah, I liked a lot to just, like, and I like that he mentions that he had said it earlier, because, like, when, like, as we discussed in that episode, like, when he said it to Rin, again, like, it is how he feels about himself. He's telling the truth. Um, but he says it to Rin with an intention. Um, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't really have an intention here. Yeah. Other than to, like, justify his bad behavior. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. That was a good fucking scene, man. So good. Delicious. Uh, thanks for the food. It was also really, yeah, it was beautiful. I liked yeah. how it was shot. Um, mm-hmm, me too. I'm still upset. I already said this, but I'm obsessed with how they don't look at each other the whole time. Yeah, it's good. And I was. I also really liked when they chose to show Sugar Ray's eyes or not. Like, mm-hmm. I remember specifically they showed his, they showed a close-up of his eyes when he's saying, like, well, Akito chose Kurano, and then the moment Hatsuri starts ragging on him, you know his, like, eyes are hidden by his hair after that. Yeah. I think, like, this whole episode, 
when they show Shigure's eyes is always, like, important. Because they hide his eyes a lot of times throughout this whole episode. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, this is true of, like, the show as a whole, but this episode, it really stands out. All of the times they choose to show his eyes and choose to hide them. Because um, I think it's, like, it's interesting. And I also feel like often when his eyes are hidden is often um, in un- uh, counterintuitively when we're getting a more honest look at him. Yeah. And it's very rare that we get to see his eyes and get to see honest emotion on them. Yeah. Extremely rare. Yeah. Uh, this was yeah. a good Shigure episode. <laughs> this is a good Shigure episode. We love him. God, I love him. He really is like, I was just like, like talking about Yuki, but like, I do think Shigure is the most interesting character in Fruits Basket. He's just like, his motivations are a lot more complicated. Yuki doesn't really have a motivation other than to like, improve himself, but like, Shigure like, is the plot. (laughs) Yeah. But he goes about it in just like, the sneakiest way possible. And like, very underhanded. It's so fun to see such a char- see a character that has such an important impact on the plot, but isn't an antagonist. He's like, I would say he's technically a protagonist in like, if you're thinking yeah. about it in terms of like, there's the antagonist serves to like, stand against the protagonist's goals, and then the protagonist is trying to achieve those goals. And ultimately, Shiguri is trying to achieve the same goals as, like, our more traditional protagonists, like, Toru or Rin, who are like, we're trying to break the curse. Shiguri is trying to do the exact same thing, but he's just, like, doing it in such a different way. And so it's really interesting to see what is, like, on paper a protagonist, but an extremely, like, morally gray protagonist. Um, yeah. It's fun. Yeah, Shiguri is a good he's character. Spicy. So... This has turned into a two-parter because we have so much to say. Uh, stay tuned next time for when we keep talking about the same episode. <laughs>